Anyone out there have a competitive nature? You would say, I am a competitive person. Yeah, your hand's shot right up. I'm a competitive person. And evidence of it is right here before you now. I knew it was going to come out sooner or later, so I figured I'll just let them know what this gnarly scar thing going on is. Basically what happened is a friend called me Tuesday evening and said, hey Justin, uh, our, our softball team is short a player. We really need an extra player tonight. Can you come play with us? And I played with him before on teams and I was like, man, I haven't played in a couple years. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Just get here. We need your help. I'm like, all right, I'm there. So I grabbed all my gear. I went out and, and it was quite a game. It was back and forth through the whole game. Uh, two great teams. And we got down to what was going to be the last inning and our team is down by a run. So I get up to bat and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, to take it to him. I get walked. So now I'm on first base. The next guy behind me hits a blooper out to right field. So I am trucking it round second, hit third. The throw goes into home plate, all right? The throw actually short hops the catcher and rolls back to the backstop. Now this is a city park slow pitch softball field, all right? So no giant backstop. So the, you know, there's a few feet there, but it rolls back. The catcher turns and looks at me. I'm, I'm just a little past third base. And then he just turns and begins to walk towards the ball. And out of the corner of my eye, I glance, the pitcher is not looking. And all of a sudden, I had flashbacks to my Little League days when I used to steal home base. And I was like, I got this. And so I took off. Just bam, I'm going for it. And let me tell you, it would have been beautiful. It would have been awesome. I would have been in no problem. Except for the third base coach who is supposed to be on my team at that point, sees what I'm doing, and in sheer horror yells, no, stop! I'm like, oh man, and now I'm sold. I'm too far. I've got to do this. Pitcher and catcher are like, what's going on? They instantly react. So now it's going to be a play at the plate, head first dive. I lose skin on my arm. I lose skin on my knee. But I would like you to know, safe. Tying run is scored. That's right. I jumped up. I didn't care about the blood. I was high-fiving everyone. Although after that, the next guy up got the out. We went into extra innings, and our team lost. So my competitive nature was totally crushed at that point. But uh, when you have that competitive nature, you have a, a desire, a drive to win. And you truly hate to lose. And as a result, you go into every situation whether it's a sporting event or whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, whatever it is, you just go through life with this passion, with this fire, with this desire to win and this, this hope, this confidence that you know what, if I try hard enough, there is a chance that I can indeed win. And it is this hope that drives us and pushes us on. And, and even if you're not competitive that much, all of us, at some point, we have this fire inside of us and we've experienced this desire to win. But the truth is, if you take that hope away, what ensues is just this spiritual darkness that begins to consume a person and can consume a nation. In fact, I got to see firsthand what happens when you lose hope, when you lose this fire, when you lose this passion. I, I just returned last week from Haiti. And I spent some time in Haiti working there at an orphanage. And as I looked around at the city of Port-au-Prince, I was just shocked by the hopelessness not by the devastation, not by the poverty. I'd seen that all before, but the sheer hopelessness of the people. The fact that it was every man for themselves, but that there was no, man, you looked in their eyes and it was just empty. They didn't believe that they could ever get ahead, that they could ever achieve anything in life. And as a result, the, 
The city was just still in ruins. They hadn't even cleaned it up. They hadn't rebuilt. There was trash everywhere, giant, just trash dumps all over the place. And, man, it just, it was sad, and it broke my heart to see, and it just, man, I thought, wow. And then I got to thinking, you know, the truth is, is that as you look around our nation, you can see signs of that same hopelessness, of that same darkness beginning to creep in. I mean, the foundations of our nation have been shaken by terrorist attacks, by all the wars across the world that we're helping fight, by just the economic crisis and instability that we have seen over past years, the bailouts, the stimulus packages. It just begins to breathe this doubt in our minds, this fear, this uncertainty. Man, the spiritual foundation of our nation is even under greater attack. I mean, I look and, and I see churches all the time. It's sad how many emails I get and how many times I see stories of churches where pastors had moral failure or whether the church is just closing its doors because it just can't stay open any longer. Christians everywhere are failing to take a stand for what they believe in. They're failing to stand up for the truth. We've, we've abandoned the true doctrine of God's word for this feel-good theology. We just... We just want everyone to be happy and okay and great. And so we've watered down Christianity. We've watered down our faith, and we've abandoned absolute truth. We said, you believe what you want to believe, and as long as you believe that, you're okay. As long as it makes you feel good, that's okay. It's just that you believe something. The darkness is creeping in. And if you don't believe it, just take a look around. Look at the fact that divorce is now the norm in our nation. And not just among non-believers and non-Christians, but the stats are true within the church as well. Look at the fact that the drug and alcohol abuse just continues to rise. That these addictions just continue to consume our society at a deeper and deeper level. And even more shocking and even more tragic is the fact that suicide rates are at an all-time high. That more and more people are just giving up saying we can't do this anymore. Man, it breaks my heart to see the hopelessness within our own nation. And as Christians, what are we doing about it? You see, far too many Christians are just sitting on the sidelines. They're just laying low. They're just trying to stay out of the way, just trying to blend in and be like everyone else. I mean, we live in this constant fear as Christians of what others are going to think or what others are going to say about us. And so we do everything we can to, to make them think we're okay, to make them think that, that we're like them when we're not. I mean, we're, we're scared that we're going to be branded by society as, as radical or worse yet, intolerant. Man, I read a story the other day, and it's so true. It was in a news report where our society is when it comes to Christianity. There's a third grader named Kobe in Louisville, Kentucky. And Kobe goes to public schools, and each week one of the students would bring in a book. It was part of the reading program, and that student would read the book for the class. Well, Kobe was a Christian. His family, you know, regularly attended church. They were very strong believers. And so uh, they'd been talking with their son. His parents had, had been talking with him just about shining your light for others to see, about the idea of being a testimony and a witness for everyone around you. So, so Kobe chose a book called The Legend of the Three Trees. And, and it was a book about three trees and this dialogue they have as they're growing about what they want to be one day. 
And, and the story goes to tell that one tree becomes the manger where Jesus was laid when he was first born. And then uh, another one of the trees becomes the boat which Jesus stood in and taught on the Sea of Galilee. And the final one, as you probably, probably guess, becomes the cross where he was crucified. So Kobe had chosen this book because he wanted to share his faith and, and share what he was all about with his classmates. Well, the day comes, he's excited, he heads to school, he's got the book with him. About 10 o'clock, his mom gets a call from the teacher. This is what she said. Listen to this quote. It's okay for him to read that book to himself, but it is not okay for him to share it with others. Listen, that's the message that we as Christians receive from society every single day. We've come to a point where you can read the book for yourself. You can have your own faith. You can have your own religious viewpoints. That's great. More power to you. But don't share it with others. Don't let anyone else know about it. Keep it to yourself. So now we as Christians, we're at a crossroads. We have a choice to make. Are we going to keep silent? Are we going to blend in to protect our own personal comfort? Are we going to allow the darkness to continue to spread? To spread through our nation, through our city, into our families and into our communities? Or are we going to stand up for what we believe in? Are we going to speak out and make a difference in the lives of those around us? The church at Corinth was struggling with with much the same problem. You see, their culture in that day was extremely pluralistic. And their culture said, all right, you can believe whatever you want. You want to do this Jesus thing. You want to do this Christian thing. That's great. You go for it. More power to you. But don't mess with us. Don't try to convert us. Don't keep it to yourself. So now they're faced with this dilemma. Do we just do our own thing and stay out of their way? Or do we follow through with what God has called us to do? We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 7. You can turn there, uh, pull it up on your iPads, on your cell phones, whatever you're using. We're going to have the words up on the screen. But 2 Corinthians 4 is Paul's reply to this church. Paul was their founding pastor, so when he heard that they were going through this, he wrote back, and this is what he told them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I love how Paul just starts off and right off the bat, he says, therefore, since it's through God's mercy, it's through God himself, he's the reason we have this ministry. He says, do not lose heart. 
You see, it's so easy in the midst of everything that's going on in the world to look around, to see the darkness creeping in, to see things getting worse and worse, and then add that to our own personal struggles and our own personal problems, and we begin to become overwhelmed. And then we become overwhelmed, and we become discouraged. And then depression begins to seep in, and before you know it, we've given up. Before you know it, we've lost heart. We said, you know what? How can I make a difference? You know what? What what can I do to change things? And so we lose heart. Paul says that it's, it's through God that you have this. Listen, it is so important, Christians, that we have become so consumed by our feelings, so consumed by what is going on in the world around us that we look at it and, and we just, we have this feeling of hopelessness. And as a result, we forget the truth. We forget that the truth overcomes our feelings. Listen, here's the truth. The truth is that God himself has called us to go make disciples. The truth is that Jesus himself promised that he would establish his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The truth is that he has overcome the world. The truth is that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The truth is that through Christ we are more than conquerors. The truth is that the very same spirit which empowered Jesus while he was here on earth now lives inside of us and gives us power. The truth is that God will finish what he has started. The truth is that we win. Come on, you got to make some noise. Man, if you're going to clap for the fact that I slid into home plate safe, you better get a whole lot more excited when you think about the fact that the Bible tells us that at the very mention of the name of Jesus, that every knee in heaven above and earth below will bow and every tongue confess to the glory of Christ. Yes, come on. That is the God we serve. That is the God who goes with us. That is the God who guarantees us victory. Listen, as Christians, we can walk through any circumstance, no matter how difficult. We can walk through any situation, no matter how dangerous, with the confidence that our God is in control, with the confidence that we are his sons and daughters, that we are heirs of his glory, partakers of eternal life. Listen, our worth is not in man's eyes, but it is in God's eyes. And our treasure is not here on earth. So we got to stop caring about what everyone else thinks. We got to stop caring about what everyone else says. We got to stop worrying about what everyone else is going to do because in Christ, we win. That's the title of the sermon today. We win. I want you guys to walk out of here with your heads held high, your shoulders back, bowed up, ready to go, knowing that the God who lives in you guarantees victory. Man, we've got that. Yeah, you keep clapping. It's great. Listen, though, Jesus warned us that things are going to get worse. And every time things get worse, we're tempted to to forget the truth. It's so easy to forget the truth and begin to look at what's going on around us. So what I want to do is, is I want to give you four, four things to remember, four principles to remember. And the way I look at them, these are four battles that Jesus has fought and Jesus has won. So whenever we begin to feel discouraged or overwhelmed, we can go back and we can remember, man, God already fought that battle. It's done. We already won. 
the first battle I want you to think about is the fact that light defeats darkness. Light defeats darkness. In verse 6, this is how Paul put it. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. That phrase, out of, in other versions, is actually translated, let light shine over darkness. All right? Made his light, that same light, to shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Listen, understand first off, that it is not only a scriptural truth, but it is a scientific truth. And I clearly, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is how God intended for it to be. That light always overpowers darkness. Light will always be more powerful than darkness. When you flip on the switch, when you turn on the flashlight in a dark room, the light comes on, darkness cannot overcome it. All right, understand that the only way darkness overcomes light is if the power source for that light begins to fade. And let me tell you something. Our power source is never going to fade. We are guaranteed that light will always defeat darkness. And understand that that very same light, the, the very glory of God, the same light that signaled the dawn of creation, when God said, let there be light, and it overtook the darkness, that's the light that is in us. That's the light that God calls us to show and to shine so everyone else can see. Now, some of you are sitting out there and you've already gone back. You've already gone back to those feelings of hopelessness, of guilt, of shame, of depression. And you're saying, Justin, you don't understand. You don't know how dark my past is. You don't know how black my life is right now. You don't know how deep the level of my addictions and my struggles and my pain. With all respect, I don't have to. Because I know the God who loves you enough and wants to take care of that pain and that hurt. And listen, I understand that no matter how dark your past, no matter how black your personal struggles, that God is able to deliver you. Listen, your darkness is no match for his glory. All right? His light will defeat your darkness. Let me rephrase that. Because the truth is, his light has already defeated your darkness. You just have to accept that when he hung on the cross, he overcame. And now you no longer have to be a slave to that. Man, keep fighting. Let me just encourage you. Man, keep, stay positive. Keep moving forward. Keep believing. Believing the truth of who God is. Of what God says he, he can do in your life. Hold on to his promises. I mean, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is the God who wants to shine his light into your life. And when that light shines on your life, darkness has to flee. Now, listen, it's so easy to focus on everything that's going wrong. That's why I started with it because it instantly grabs our attention because it's instantly what we, what we turn to and what we think about. But the truth is, is that God is doing some amazing things uh, right now. All right, in our time and in our generation, there's a movement of God that if, if we're not careful, we can miss. Understand that the church as a whole is more socially active than it ever has been. The church is involved around the world bringing justice and hope to people who have never had it before. Understand that technology is now available to us that gives us unprecedented opportunity and access to share the gospel around the globe in places where it has never been shared before. 
I mean, there are countries like China where Christianity is illegal and the church is still growing at a record pace. They can't arrest them fast enough. The, yeah, I mean, this is what God is doing. Churches are being planted every week, every month, all across the world. I mean, here at Fellowship of the Rockies, every week we see people come to Christ. We see people healed from their pain and their hurt. We see relationships restored. We see people baptized. It is amazing what God is doing. He has given us, yeah, come on, that's all right. Don't hesitate. God is that awesome. You know, he, he's doing so many things in our community, and he's given us favor and Man, God is on the move. Because the darker the world gets, the brighter the light of Christ will shine. I love the story of Christine Kane. She tells it about her two little sons. And Christine Kane is a, is a pastor at Hillsong Church in Australia. And she tells about her sons, one of her sons' first trips over to the United States. And they had their first encounter with Walmart Supercenter. All right, and her two boys thought that was about the most amazing thing they had ever seen. It was like a theme park for them, all right? They were just like, wow, candy and toys. This is amazing. So they were, they were just psyched, and, you know, she allowed them each to kind of pick out a toy that they liked to get something as part of the experience. And, and, and one of her boys had actually gotten a flashlight and had his favorite superhero on it and stuff. And before she was even finished paying, he was ripping into it and breaking it out. He couldn't wait to get it. And he flips the flashlight on and off a couple times, and it's there in Walmart, so you brightly lit. It's in the middle of the day. And he looks at his mom. He says, Mommy. We need to go find some darkness so I can shine my light. Man, think about that. When was the last time you went looking for some darkness? When was the last time you went looking for a place where you could let the light of Christ within you shine? Think on that for a second. Why are we not running to the darkness? The light within us has already defeated it. It overpowers it every single time. But we stay in the light, scared to step into the darkness. When was the last time you spoke up for Christ? Maybe you got a coworker who's just antagonistic towards anything God, anything Bible, anything church. And you just back away because you don't, you don't even want to get into that. Maybe it's time, some love and some respect, and with a heart for them, just talk with them about it. Maybe they've got deep hurt over something that happened in the past that they need to see a real Christian experience the love of someone who really does know Christ. Maybe you've got a neighbor who's going through a difficult time. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's the uh, the loss of a loved one. Maybe you just need to walk across the street and take some time to listen to them to love on them, to show them the hope of Christ within you, to shine your light into the darkness of their life. And maybe you've got a family member, a parent, a spouse, a sibling who is extremely antagonistic towards God. And again, with love and respect, you need to let them know why you do what you do. They badger you for your level of commitment and they just don't understand it. Maybe it's time to show them the light, to show them why you do what you do. Listen, understand, not everyone is going to appreciate it, okay? It's not always going to be just this aha moment. Not everyone's going to be attracted to it. 
Because here's what happens. Someone who's been in a dark room for a long time, when the light switch gets flipped on, when the light comes shining in, it hurts their eyes. And they react by throwing up their hands and backing away. You see, the light exposes what we try to hide in the darkness. And instead of being attracted to the light, there are people who resent the light and they move away from it. The Apostle John explains it this way. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Light brings conviction because it exposes the truth. And that is why light always defeats darkness. Man, it's, it's so simple. You know, I grew up in church, and so I grew up singing all these children's Sunday school songs. And the truth is, if, the, if we would just do what we said in those songs, we would be so much better off. I remember one. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. What if we just did that? What if we just took this light, which cannot be stopped, and we went out into the world and we chased the darkness back where it belongs? How would our world be different? Man, understand, light defeats darkness. Second battle that's already been won. Second principle to remember. remember. Integrity crushes deception. Integrity crushes deception. Verse 2. We have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Listen, the Bible tells us that Satan, our adversary, the king of darkness, is a deceiver. He is a con man. He is a swindler. He comes in disguised as an angel of light. And he tries to sell us a counterfeit product, a knockoff. He tries to come in and say, look, I, I will offer you success. I will offer you recognition. I, I will make you feel good. You don't need God. What I have is better. Come here, come here. This is the real thing. It's his favorite game. It's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He's continued to do it to us. And he sits here and he tells us, he wraps it up in what we call the American dream. And he says, this is what you need to make you happy. This is what you need to make you feel good. But that's not the truth at all. It, it's like buying a Rolex from a street vendor in Mexico. You get back home and after a while it stops working and you open it up and you discover that not only are those diamonds actually cubic zirconium not worth a thing, but there is no precision movement. There is a dead battery and the insides of a Timex Walmart watch in that Rolex. That's what Satan has to offer us. It's junk. And he deceives us and we buy it. Man, our world is filled with the same deception. People just trying to get ahead of trying to offer us just empty knockoffs. I mean, politicians use deception to get elected. Corporations use it to make a profit. And the sad truth is that far too many Christians use it to make converts. Man, there are far too many churches who water down the gospel, who water down the truth of God's word so it doesn't offend anyone. So it doesn't hurt anyone's feelings. So it, it, it doesn't 
take much to be a Christian. And let me tell you, Jesus warned, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. You have to be willing to give your life. Paul wrote later in Romans that every day you have to give up your life a living sacrifice. But we want to make it easy so more people come in so we can fill seats, so we can make everyone feel welcome, which we want to do, but not at the cost of the truth. We dress it up like it's this one-size-fits-all product that solves all problems. Man, it's like a bad infomercial. And that's what we've reduced Christianity to. Paul says, stop it. Stop the, the, the deception because when you build on deception, eventually everything comes crashing down. This is build on the truth. You don't have to help the gospel. All you have to do is just explain it clearly and with love and what God has done in your life. When we try to help the gospel, when we try to distort God's word in an attempt to make it culturally acceptable, we cheapen it. We're telling God it's not good enough. Man, we're selling people a knockoff. Understand, I am not against being culturally relevant, communicating in a way that culture understands and that appeals to them. But I am saying that trying to be culturally acceptable will never happen, and we shouldn't even try as Christians. Jesus himself told his disciples, the world will hate you because it hated me. And when we try to be accepted by the world, man, we abandon the truth of who we are in Christ. Peter says this, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's amazing how a little integrity shines so brightly and is always noticed in a dark place. It's simple. It's in our work life. When others show up at the office late, we're there on time. When they take those long extended breaks, we go back to work. Man, when they pad their expense account, man, we're above reproach and honest. When there are others in our family who are spiteful and bitter and angry and hurtful, we still show love. Man, when others compromise their integrity, we remain honorable. When others cheat, class, we're honest. When others compromise their purity, in their relationships, man, we guard ours with everything that we are. Man, we have to build our lives on integrity. We have to build our lives on that foundation of truth. And it will be noticed because integrity crushes deception. Light defeats darkness. Integrity crushes deception. Service conquers self. I don't need to point out for you that we live in a self-centered world where it's all about what makes me feel good. What can I get out of it? How is it going to benefit me? Always looking out for number one. Paul said this, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Man, if you want the light of Christ to shine through you, then learn to serve. Jesus said, the world will know you by your love, by your love, by your ability to put the needs of others ahead of yourself, the ability to care for them more than you care for yourself, to serve them. Man, you want to turn on the high beams 
Serve someone who doesn't deserve it. Serve someone who has been your enemy. Serve someone who shows no gratitude or respect. Because the world looks at that and they're like, whoa. They don't get it. They don't understand it. But I guarantee you it will get their attention. Man, it's not just a great testimony of what Christ has done, but it, it's an opportunity. It opens doors to share the gospel, to share what God has done in our lives. Man, even a lost and dark and dying world has a deep respect for compassionate service for others who are in need. That's one of the reasons why we value that so much within our church. That's one of the reasons why Impact Ministries is up front and doing so much in our community because we want them to know the love of Christ. We want him to shine through us. I mean, football season is starting, all right? And that's a great thing for all of us, you know, sports fans. We love football season. But how utterly ridiculous would it be if your favorite team took the field for the first game, they got in the huddle, started to call the play, but never broke huddle. Quite frankly, it would just be stupid. I mean, you can, you can kind of see it in your head. I mean, they're sitting there and like, all right, here's the play, guys. All right, we got it, we got it. All right, oh, I don't know. That linebacker looks pretty big. Maybe we should try a different play. Yeah, and, and, and I don't want to get dirty. I just washed my uniform. It's, it's ridiculous to even think about. It's stupid. But the truth is, there are a lot of churches who get together on Sunday and huddle up and talk about everything that's wrong and everything that needs to be done. But they never break the huddle and go do anything about it. They never get involved serving. And as a result, nothing ever happens. We're scared to get our hands dirty. We're scared of failure. <laughs> we forgot. We win. Light defeats darkness. Integrity crushes deception. Service conquers self. And transparency overpowers religion. Transparency overpowers religion. Get this, think on this, understand this. This is totally for free right here. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is a relationship. Get that and understand that. Take that. That will change the way you live your life. That will change your faith. When you realize Christianity is not a religion, it is not a philosophy, it is a relationship. You see, a religion is a, is a list of rules and regulations that if we follow them, we achieve self-gratification and self-glorification. A philosophy is a way of thinking that affects our actions but never touches our hearts. But a relationship relationship is two people who have surrendered themselves for each other, who show deep love for each other, who are willing to do anything for each other. And in our relationship with Christ, he loved us so much that he died on the cross. He has covered all of our past mistakes. He has forgiven us. He has shown us grace and mercy beyond our wildest imagination. And here's what happened, because it's not a religion, because it's not a philosophy, because it's a relationship, we want everyone else to know about it. When we realize that God is greater than our failures, that his love is bigger than our darkest secrets, all of a sudden, we're not scared for the world to see who we really are. 
We're, we're willing to be transparent because we want the world to know the amazing things that God has done inside of us. We want them to see how God has changed us and that how God can change their lives. There, there are so many fakes in this world. There are so many posers and pretenders. And man, I just can't stand people like that. But there is something refreshing about a person who is humble, about a person who is willing to admit their weakness and celebrate what God has done. Verse 7, back in Corinthians, Paul writes, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Man, jars of clay were imperfect, all right? Jars of clay would have cracks and, and they'd have, you know, the paint was fading. They weren't these beautiful vases. They were the seconds. But interestingly enough, in an attempt to, to protect valuables from bandits and thieves, the people would hide their most prized possession in these jars of clay because they thought that's the last place they'll look. It'd be like taking hiding your prized possession in the bottom of the trash can because you know no one's going to look there for it. God says the outside doesn't look very pretty, but what's on the inside is the very glory of God himself. And that is what matters. And that is what the world needs to see. It's not about us. Listen, people get it backwards and they think the treasure's in them. And one of two things happens when, when you begin to think that the treasure is in me. It's about what I can do. It's about how I can serve God. Listen, one, you become so arrogant and boastful and proud. You become so stuck on following the rules and the regulations and how good you are at it that no one wants to have anything to do with you. Or two, you become so guilt-ridden, so full of shame over your, your failure and your inability to do it without the strength of Christ that you pull yourself away from everyone. That's why God says it's not about religion. It's not about the rules and regulations. It's about a relationship with me. Man, transparency allows the light of Christ to shine strong and bright through our lives and to put his mercy and his grace and his power on display for all to see. Man, we win. Light defeats darkness. Integrity crushes deception. Service conquers self. And transparency overpowers religion. So the question is, have you embraced the victory that God has given you? Are you going to walk out of here knowing that the light of Christ lives within you? That everything you need to be victorious in life, he has given you to stand tall in the midst of difficulties and circumstances, to live life with a boldness, to walk with a confidence that says, I don't care what anyone else says. I don't care what anyone else thinks. God is on my side. Listen, it's not because of us or what we can do, but because God lives in us. That is why we win.